0: Well, Father, this morning as we look at your word and look at some scripture, your living word, I pray that you grant unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We'd know you more and uh, um, we're becoming more and more like you. And I pray for revelation even in this next few minutes as we look to some things, as we honor fathers today and we honor you, our heavenly father, our heavenly dad, our heavenly papa. We love you. And uh, I pray for a revelation of who you are as our Father in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Just as I was praying, I had this, welcome to to my brain, you know. I had this thought as I was praying. I heard this, I don't know when I heard it, but a long time ago. This kid comes home from Sunday school. And uh, they get home and and, uh, he's talking. The parents are like, oh, so what did you learn today and whatever? And he goes, I learned the name of God. Okay, well, that's cool. You know, in the Bible, he's got many different names, but no, I know his name. He's got one name and I know it. And he's like, okay, what's his name? His name's Harold. And uh, I said, okay, how do you get that? And so he said, well, we're reading in the Bible how it says, our father in heaven, Harold is your name. (laughs) That was like a dad joke, wasn't it? Yeah, I got introduced to speak one time. And uh, the, the transition host or whatever is in a church, and I get up to speak, and, and they made a comment about my dad jokes. And I'm like, I don't know, I guess I, I don't know if I, and then I asked later, I'm like, what are my dad jokes? And she said, it's all that corny sense of humor that you have that you think is really funny, but a lot of people don't. I'm like, oh, okay, good, good. Anyway, so let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to look at a few different things. Before we jump into it, well, if you want to put your finger in Malachi uh, or Malachi, however you want to pronounce it, some think he was the greatest Italian prophet ever. Malachi, that was a dad joke. And I said that a few, I said that like, I don't know, I think we used that, that word just a few months ago, maybe a month ago or something. But anyway... Father's Day is an awesome day. It actually didn't, um, in America, they started celebrating it early in the 1900s, but it wasn't even, uh, it came after Mother's Day, and so, but but the concept of Father's Day is to celebrate fathers, right? And um, it's interesting that when we look in Scripture and we see God's plan for humanity all through Scripture, a lot of times people think that it's just, I want to get to heaven someday, or I want to have eternal life one day, or that kind of thing. But the truth is that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and Father God had this amazing relationship long before, you know, time began as we know it. And so Jesus, you know, talks about it over and over again, but there was this whole thing of Of walking in union with the Father, walking in oneness with the father, i 'm in the Father, and the Father is in me, Jesus says in John fourteen and uh, talks about it in John seventeen as well that and he says, if you 've seen me you 've seen the Father, and if you've seen if so if you you know what the father's like, because you know me it's interesting that naturally sometimes biological children uh they look like you know some people look at, you know, a kid and they say, oh, wow, it looks just like his dad or looks just like his mom or whatever. I had, I had this guy say to me one time, he said, um, well, I can see, I can see, uh, um, how did he word it? He said, I can see um, your kids, where your kids get their uh, good looks from. And I said, oh, yeah, where's that? And they, he said, oh, they get their good looks from you. And Mel's sitting right there. She's like, I'm going, okay, I don't know what you're, like, she's, my wife's right here. How are you going to get around this one? and then he says cuz your wife still has hers <laughs> I'm like, oh my god good one yeah but anyway you look like oftentimes you children will look like or they'll resemble their father you know in our house for whatever reason in our house a lot of times people say oh that's your fa- he's his father's son or he's his father's daughter if the kids make a joke about something or say something, and usually it's always the negative stuff that I get blamed for you know oh they're a little cheeky they're sarcastic whatever oh taken after your dad because your mom's so sweet and I'm like, come on, but the, the bottom line is this that if you look at if you look at this relationship that Jesus had with his father and how amazing it was, he longed for humanity to to encounter and experience that same love and that same union that he knew from his father. And so we often think it's an eternal thing, uh, you know, that it would be someday I would get to heaven or someday I I I'll escape judgment. But the, the passionate heartbeat of God from the beginning of time, before time, was that people would experience this intimate relationship with a loving father. And they'd experience this union, this oneness with the Father. It's, it's all through Scripture. But in Malachi, it says here, when it's speaking of John the Baptist that's coming to prepare the way for Jesus. And it says in Malachi chapter 4, it says, verse 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he shall turn the hearts of the children, or the sons, to the father, and the hearts of the fathers to the children. So he's, this is a prophetic word about what John the Baptist would do, but it was in the heart of God all along that there'd be reconciliation. I've had conversations with people that talk, they, they, they say things like, um, if I would say something like this, you've heard me say it before, you know, my birth, you know, how old are you now? Well, I'm, I'm 40-something, I'm 30-something, I'm 50-something. Your birth date isn't your Genesis, Right. Like, I, I personally believe there's a pretty good, you can make a case for it, that before I was known here in the earth, I was known in my father. Before, I, I, he, he knit me together in my mother's womb, but even before that, he knew me before I was born. And so we, we talk, have language like that. But it's interesting, then because some people say, well, no, no, I don't believe that. It's just that when you're born on earth, then that was your genesis, that was your starting point and everything else. But the whole ministry of Jesus, it was John the Baptist first and then into Jesus, was to reconcile children back to the Father. That was the whole ministry. Well, how can you reconcile something that wasn't already joined together in the first place? Right? So... So this, this passage here, he's saying he's going to come, John the Baptist is going to come in the spirit of Elijah and the power of Elijah. So prophetic, forerunning, powerful, anointed by God. And he wants to, the, the, the whole thing was to reconcile sons to fathers and fathers to sons. Now it's just not talking about simply just in the, in the natural, you know, sons that have gone astray or not talking with dad anymore, that kind of thing. But he's saying, I want to reconcile. He's going to come to reconcile humanity unto Father God, completely back into relationship, union, oneness, enjoyment. And uh, so there's that scripture there that's really neat. Now flip over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter uh, 4. In fact, scripture also says, there's a few places in Galatians talks about it, Romans talks about it, where it says that creation... Creation, the word for creation isn't just speaking about the earth itself, but the entire cosmos is actually groaning for the manifestation of true sons. Okay, well, that was, that, okay, let's try it again. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a, it's like the earth, the cosmos is longing to see sons, and we'll say daughters too, but sons rise up and manifest their sonship. Well, a son has a father, okay? We know that there's something about adoption that Scripture talks about over and over again. Because I know a lot of people, um, there's a, there's a, it gets a little bit dicey when we talk about biological offspring and that sort of thing. Some people do not have, uh, you know, biological offspring, but they've got adopted sons and daughters. And I like to say it like this regarding adoption because Jesus always talks about it. Paul talks about it. Adoption as sons, I'm being adopted as a son. When you're when you have biological children, you don't have a choice. <laughs> that baby comes out, it's like ta-da! All right. <laughs> you don't have a choice, but nobody adopts somebody they don't want. So there's a revelation in adoption that is so much, even, I think, more powerful than even just biological offspring, okay? So, th- so Paul talks about us being adopted as, as sons, and, and uh, the whole plan of God is that we would manifest, or we would, we would live in our sonship. Well, the only way you can truly manifest sonship is to really know your Father. So... Paul says it like this in Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4. He says this. He says, I want to warn you, he said, verse 14. I don't write this to shame you, um, but to warn you and counsel you as my beloved children. So Paul's calling the Corinthian church his kids. Isn't that interesting? And I understand that in our culture today, sometimes, because of abuses in the past of like, you know, heavy-handed leadership and, and, and uh, spiritual fathering and, you know, all that kind of stuff, some people kind of shy away from this, okay? But the truth is, um, just because there's an abuse in some area or someone's had a bad experience with leadership or whatever, it doesn't mean we throw out everything that the word talks about concerning the matter, what we want to do is we want to humbly walk in a manner that would demonstrate a proper use of something that has been an abuse. Right? So, so Paul says this, so he says, I'm writing you, I'm, this is going to be a little bit harsh, he's saying, but I'm not, I'm not, to, I'm not putting shame on you about this, but I'm actually just, want, I want to counsel you in this, as my beloved children. So he calls them his kids. He says, after all, though you should have 10,000 teachers, some say, though you have 10,000 teachers, in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. And that's such a huge thing right there. A lot of times we, we have this um, mindset, as a teacher, a teacher will tell you what to do and how to do it or try to instruct you or try to, you know, they might, they might bring some correction or whatever, but they're trying to, here's how you do it. Pastor Eric, this is what you need to do. I'm going to tell you how to do it and then you do it, okay? So that's what a teacher would do. But the heart of a father is so different than the heart of a teacher. I know we have good teachers, but the heart of the father would say, "Would say, um, hey, I want to show you how to do something and, and bring them along into it. And their heart is for that son or that daughter. The true heart of a father is that our children would go on and be way more successful than we are. The true, An insecure teacher, or an, I'm not picking on teachers, just get that out of your head if you're a teacher here today, but... Someone of an in, with an insecure heart or someone that, that would be, um, not have a true heart of a father would say, well, I don't want my son or I don't want my, you know, those that I have um, input into, I don't want them to excel past me because then I'll look worse than them because, do you know what I'm saying? True leadership and the true heart of a father is, would be, as Bill Johnson says, that my ceiling would be their floor right? So like Chris and Katrina, okay? Chris and Katrina, they, they oversee our youth ministry, and there, there's a, there's a call on their lives to more than just youth ministry. I, I've said it many times over you, but my heart is, for example, for Chris, would be that Chris could stand on my shoulders and be a way better leader than I could ever be. As a, as a father, as a, as one of a, with a heart of a father, I would say the success of other people around me, if they could be elevated even better than I am, higher than I am, that would, that would really actually do me really well. I could sit back and watch what's happening and go, oh, this is really cool. Uh, one, of my, one of my spiritual sons is, uh, lives in Alberta. And when, when he was about, I don't know, probably 15, we were his youth pastor. And uh, now he's since gone on and, and you know, he's, he does ministry and he's got business and different things like this. But he's gone on and I, I, the thing that makes me so proud, I had a meeting, three-hour meeting. Uh, I sit on his board for his ministry, I had a three-hour meeting on uh, Wednesday. And we're sitting there and I'm listening to the reports of what's been happening and how he was just in Colombia, and he's been invited to sit on the... Um, It's like an evangelism, all these global evangelists. So he's sitting at the table, and Daniel Kalinda introduces him. Uh, Daniel Kalinda, he took over for Reinhard Bonnke. Um, Reinhard Bonnke's ministry has seen a couple people saved. There's pretty good fruit there. (laughs) And so anyway, so he's sitting across the table, and Daniel Kalinda introduces him, and uh, just, you know, calls out the goal in him and stuff. There's a, there's a, I don't know, a few dozen people at the table. Uh, Todd White is over here, like all these different evangelists and all these different movers and shakers, kind of like the who's who of the zoo. And, uh, and, here's, and and as he's sharing this story, I'm sitting there, and I'm just going, oh, this is so amazing. Because as a father, I can have impact all over the world without even leaving my own house. Right? And so there's, a, there's something about having the heart of a father that will cause us to get other people to rise up, to lift people up, to say, go for it. And Paul says here in Corinthians 4, he says, you've got all these teachers, but you don't have many fathers. And so he wasn't saying, we need more teachers, we need less teachers. He's saying, guys, we need more fathers. We need more fathers. And so then he goes on and he says, so I urge you, Oh no! After all, okay, you should have ten thousand. You've got ten thousand, but you should have more fathers. Verse sixteen. So I urge you, I implore you, be imitators of me. That's a bold statement, isn't it? You know. And then he said, "For this very cause, I sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and trustworthy child in the Lord, who will remind, recall to your minds my methods, proceeding and the course of conduct in the way of Christ, such as I teach everywhere." in each of the churches, all right? So, so he's got, Paul's like, okay, I'm raising up sons and daughters, and I'm raising up people so that I'll go and do this, and I'll go and do that. But listen to Timothy. Now, here's the rub, because some people, it's interesting how it works sometimes. It's like, um, I'll pick on Eric for a minute. Because there's something about honoring people for who they are in God and honoring the anointing on their life, right? We understand this from Jesus. Jesus couldn't do anything of great influence or power in his hometown because people recognized him after the flesh. Isn't this Joseph's son? They didn't recognize him after his true calling and authority. And so he, he, so he, he couldn't set up shop and run the operation out of his hometown where he was born because there's something about people honoring people as fathers and as mothers and that kind of thing, but we're going to talk fathers because today's Father's Day. If I said something to you, I said, you know what? I think we should do this. I think, I think here's, some, here's a word of advice for you. I want to give you this advice. I want to help you in this area or whatever. Uh, oftentimes, somebody would say, oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, I received that. Let's, that that's good. But then if Eric came and said, Hey, I think you should do this. I think there's something, you know, this would be good. Because of the the view of of father fatherhood or fathering, they might view me as a father, but not as Eric as a father because maybe because he doesn't have any biological children at this point in time or because he's a little younger or whatever. Do you follow what I'm saying? So my point is this, we need to begin to honor one another, where, whether you're a, a father, a mother, biologically, or you're not, whatever. But we would look at one another and honor one another and receive from one another. I think, I think that will help us manifest more fathers in the earth. That's just like one little thing, right? So anyway, that's just a side point. All right, now let's go to John 14. I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here. Today. And I don't have a, a ton of time, but I just wanted to encourage us with a few thoughts. I remember John 14, reading this as a kid, and, um, you know, thinking, thinking of, um, you know, the old song, I've Got a Mansion Just Over the Hilltop. How many know that song? Does anybody know that song? Anybody not know that song? Okay, most people don't know that song, but I've got a mansion over the hilltop. And it's this whole song that basically it's an old kind of hymn of the church, song of the church, that they would sing basically to think about how awesome it's gonna be one day when we enter into heaven, when we leave this earth behind, and I've got a mansion there, you know. And so I'd read this, I'd read this passage of scripture always with that in mind. And many of you know the story. Um one day, when I just prayed and I said, Lord, I believe that your kingdom is now and it's coming, but I believe your kingdom's now. So, if I'm going to be any good in demonstrating and modeling your kingdom, my mindset can't be tied to eternity after I die. I need to think about it like now, like right now. We've established the fact that Jesus is our Savior, death is not our Savior. You could talk to any Christian in the earth. And they would totally agree on this, whether they're, you know, Anglican or they're, they're Lutheran or they're Episcopalian or Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever it is. You would, they would all say, you're going to taste and live of supernatural kingdom, eternal things once you pass away. Everyone would agree with that. But the deal is, when Jesus is talking here in John chapter 14, he's not talking about something that's just way off in, the, in heaven sometime in the future. He's saying, yeah, there is a preparation. I'm preparing a place for you, blah, blah, blah. But his whole thing was not just to get people into heaven, to populate a place in heaven. But he says this. He says, uh, well, let's pick it up here. In my Father's house, verse number two, are many dwelling places, many homes, many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I'm going to go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you'll be also. And, um, and the place where I'm going... uh." You know the way. You know how to get there. And Thomas said to him, Lord, how do we know? Uh, Sorry, Lord, we do know. We do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? So then Jesus said this in verse 6. And I remember when this this thing became like revelation to me. It was like, what in the world? How did I never see that? Jesus said, I am the way. Somebody say way. Way. I am the truth. Somebody say truth. truth. And I am the life. Somebody say life. life. Awesome. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I used to read that and I used to think all the time, Jesus was saying, No one gets to heaven except through me. Jesus wasn't focused on getting people to heaven, he was focused on reconciling people to the Father. And that's so different. It includes eternity in heaven someday, that's great. But, it, but it's, it's, not, it's not about getting you out of this earthly realm and into the kingdom heavenly realm once you die. It's about having a connection with the Father. And then he goes on, he goes on, he talks about it, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. See, he wants sons, he wants daughters, right? So he goes through that, he goes through all these different things. He goes, I'm in my Father, my Father's in me, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to come back for you. Um... And at that time, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Verse 23, Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he'll keep my word, my teaching, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him, and we will make our abode or our home in him. So there's this whole line of thinking, and I just encourage you, uh, when you go home this week, just read John chapter 14, just meditate on John chapter 14 and ask for revelation on John chapter 14. I think there's going to be some really good stuff that will pop out off of it, off the page to you. Honoring fathers on Father's Day. I think the best way that we could honor our fathers on Father's Day would be to live lives of honor, where we honor them, but also live our lives as fathers. Understand this, that, you know, um, We were both we we were both 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 sexes, male, female, were created in the image of God. So even if you're a woman here this morning, there's a measure of fathering that you can demonstrate and mothering you can demonstrate. Just like I can demonstrate mothering, nurturing, all that kind of stuff. Are you hear what I'm saying? Let's not just let's not just cut it off like this and say Father's Day is for men, you know, the father heart of God is for men, mothering, no, like that. Because there's something about it that if we're truly going to manifest as sons of God, as children of God in the earth, in creation, if we're truly going to do that, we need to start acting like and living like true fathers. The true heart of a father is, like I said, that, that, that your children would succeed, that your children would, would, would excel. I, I get it. I, I think there's some lines of thinking that, that, you know, some parents have that they say, well, I had to struggle with this and with that. And um, so my kids have to struggle with this and that, you know. And I think in some ways that's a, that's a poor representation of, of our Father. Jesus was sent to earth so that we could reconcile and be one with the Father. And he, he actually, he did it for us. First John says that the reason that we love him is because he first loved us. So he initiated this whole thing, Right? And so to experience the, the amazing, the amazing uh, revelation and the amazing oneness that we can know, that, that we could actually know the love of the Father just like Jesus knew the love of the Father. You know, before Jesus went out and, and, and did anything supernatural or any kind of ministry started, the very first thing that, that happened at his baptism, he was baptized, we know this, he was baptized in this dirty river, the Jordan. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, and a voice from heaven, which was his father's ad, uh, admire, uh, you know, his his um uh his confirmation, his his he was saying, "I'm I'm with you and I'm for you." But it, the word was, "This is my son in whom I'm well pleased." I think it's so amazing because the son hadn't done anything yet in ministry. So right from the get-go, he was saying. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about your performance or how well you do or this or that. I'm just saying, I love you and I'm pleased with you because you're my son. So I want to pray over us this morning, I guess, two things. One is that we would have a real fresh revelation of our Heavenly Father and that how much we're accepted in Him and how much He loves us. Now, Jesus did say, He said, um, you know, if you love the Father, if you love your Father, then you'll do what He says, right? But it's not out of a, it's not out of a, um, uh, uh, a heavy-handed, you got to do what I say, you got to follow my laws and my rules. It's out of this heart of love and this heart of acceptance that He says, I've got so much good for you. And I want you to see the, the goodness that I have for you. I want you to rise up and take your place. And I want you to function in the potential that, I've put in, that I put in you. It's, it's our Father's good pleasure to see us succeed and excel in all areas of life. Just like it's, as an earthly dad, we want our kids to do well. So my prayer is that we would get a revelation like we've never known. Even on this special day where we honor our earthly fathers... We get a revelation. Two things: one, that we get a revelation of our heavenly Father, that we would know Him, and we'd know the we we'd know the tenderness of His heart, and we'd know the the potential that He sees in us. And then the other thing, I'd, I I I pray I would, I'm going to pray over us. So the other thing, and so just pull on this with faith in your heart and say, you know, if that's you, say, yeah, I want to live in that revelation. I want to know more about that. I want I want this alive in me. The other thing is that. We would live and function and, and, and be fathers in a generation. You can be a father in a generation without having any biological children. When Paul was talking there in Corinthians 4 about you got all these teachers, but you don't have any fathers. We need more fathers. We need more, more people that have the heart of a father. That would say, I want you to go for it. You can do it. And not have that mindset that says, "Well, I had to suffer, so you need to suffer." How about how about we have the heart that, listen, I went through this difficult time, so that you don't have to. You can, you can, you can rise up. You can actually, I can help you with that, so you don't make the mistakes that I did. The only bad kind of failure—I think I said it a week or two ago—the well, only bad failure is a failure you don't learn something from. You go through a hard time, something doesn't work out the way you think it should or should have happened, and it's like, oh, I failed. That really sucked. That was just, oh, come on. Well, if you're going to stay in that state, then that thing won. But if you say, hey, what can I learn through this? What can I learn? Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me through this? What, I know you didn't cause this, but you want to bring me through it and teach me something through it.